It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. Take your Bibles, please, if you would, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin." Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now we dealt just barely with this yesterday, looking in verses 1 and 2, and we said this, that grace is not permission for licentiousness or loose living. Grace, according to chapter 5 and verse 21, grace reigns through righteousness. Grace, and we finished out yesterday saying this, that grace will lead us to a life of holiness. You see, grace works not out of duty, but instead it empowers us through love. And if we love God, we're going to want to please Him and want to serve Him. I need to say this because it's so big today. Teaching holy living teaching standards, teaching having personal convictions in your life is has nothing to do with legalism. And there are a lot of people out there that want to call us legalists for teaching the standards of the Word of God. God's Word is very clear. God said, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. God tells us that even just, let's just focus on the New Testament for a moment. Let's not look back in the Old Testament. There's so many commands in the New Testament dealing with separation, dealing with standards, dealing with our tongue, dealing with our mindset, dealing with our actions and our works, and and just so much there. And people hardly apply anything of Scripture to their lives. In today's society, we want a Christianity that's shallow, something that's there for when I need something, a little crutch to stand on, or something to help my conscience feel better. But as far as when it comes to applying the truths of God's Word to my life and making this Word of God, the King James Version, become the the very basis, the very foundation for everything I believe, everything I do, how I live my life, how I act and react outside in the world, there's not a lot of that that goes around. Teaching application of the Word of God to our life, and teaching us to live up to standards of holiness has is not, not legalism. 
Legalism is a strictly salvation issue saying you've got to keep the law in order to be saved or you have to do certain works to be saved and justified before God. That's what legalism is. After salvation, from chapter 6 and on, we are now dealing with believers. From chapters 1 through chapter 5, we're, really, we're kind of dealing more or less with those that were unsaved and showing how we are justified before God. That's dealing with salvation. At chapter 6, there is now a, a shift, and now we are looking at the believer. And the believer does not have any right to go out and live in sin. In fact, verse number 4 said that we should walk in newness of life. When we walk in sin, we're walking in death. Because the wages of sin is death. And there's always judgment and death associated with sin. If we were to go to 1 John in chapter 1, which we've spent a lot of time there in, in days past, but 1 John teaches us that the man that lives a lifestyle of sin, really chapter 3 starts to deal with that, and we didn't deal very much with that, I, I don't reckon, but chapter 3 starts dealing on those that live in this lifestyle of sin. And those that have a lifestyle of sin weren't ever saved. A believer can get in sin. A believer can begin to live in sin, but God's going to chasten him and God's going to judge him, and there comes a point if that believer won't repent, God just takes him out of the world. But, a believer ought to be getting right, and a believer is going to have conviction from the Holy Spirit on his life. If God's not chasing you and you're living in sin, then you better have a heart checkup. Because God always chastens his children. Because he loves us. Because he wants what's best for us. He don't want us just living out there any way we please, because that will always end up in very major problems for us. So for any person that tries to claim that they are saved and they're living a lifestyle of sin, it gives great questions to me automatically simply because of what the Word of God teaches. Here in the first part of chapter 6 and what we all read already this morning, we are dealing with something, we, we call it position versus practice. From verse 11 on, we're looking at practice. Here from verses um, 3 through verse 10, we're looking at our position in God's eyes. Spiritually in God's eyes, we are already, the Bible says we're already seated with Him in heavenly places. So there's what we already are in heaven because we've been declared righteous and made righteous in heaven, so to speak. But practically on earth, we're not exactly living up to what we've been declared to be. But God intends for us to, to be heading that direction. And I hope that's making sense the way I'm trying to get that across. So he begins giving us a picture here in verse number 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now there's a picture here. We're not dealing with baptism for salvation. Okay, but we're dealing with identification with Christ. Baptism is simply something that shows our identification with Christ, showing that we understood, you know, that we're identifying with the death of Christ. We believe in baptism by immersion, and that's one of the things we as Baptists believe. The Bible's very clear on that. There's a lot of people that want to disagree with that, but that's where I stand. Baptism by immersion gives the picture. Our old man is buried. You dunk them under the water. That old man's been buried, and then they've been raised. As you're pulling them out of them, many times the preacher will even be saying that. Buried with him, and then raised again to walk in newness of life. So, 
There's a picture there. We are to be identified with the death of Jesus Christ. God sees us as that. So legally before God, when we accepted Christ, our old man was put to death. Now we know, and Paul even deals with it later on, we still have to deal with the old man on a day-to-day -day basis. Practically speaking, I still have a sin nature in me. It's not been physically removed yet. It will not be to the point that I die and go to heaven. But legally before God, I am dead to sin. I am identified with Christ's death. And by that, God broke the power of sin in our life. Or Christ broke that power in our lives. So there's this identification with Christ. And God intends for us to walk in newness of life. And so he's giving us a picture here. One man put it this way. Let, let's, let, let me just, instead of using even his illustration, let me kind of give my own here. Let's say that there's an enemy of yours that passed away. And I don't think any of you would do this, so the, the situation may seem a little bit absurd, but just understand I'm trying to give an illustration here. Let's say he's passed away, they've got the casket open, and you or somebody else that was this man's enemy comes in and just starts screaming at this guy and yelling at him and, and starting to hit him in the face and all. But this guy's dead. He's in the casket. He's not going to respond in any way to anything that man does to him. Why not? You say, because he's dead, preacher. That's how we ought to view, and this becomes a mind thing, but that's how we ought to be viewed, or our view of sin ought to be. If we're truly identified with Christ in death, when sin comes tempting us, and we understand that leads to death, that's what Christ died for. I put my sin, put Christ on the cross, it ought not to really be tempting to me anymore. God does not intend for us to serve sin. He broke the power of sin. Now we have a choice. I can choose to yield my members to sin, or I can choose to yield my members to God and serve Him. And He gives us more to this picture. Let me just read it. Verse number four, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Understand, Christ took our place on the cross. So it's just as if, in God's eyes, it's just as if I was the one on that cross because Christ became my substitute. So keep that picture in your mind. It's just as if my old man was on that cross. So my old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. There it is again. God does not intend for us to live in sin or to serve sin. We are not in bondage to that. Rather, grace gives us liberty to live righteously before God. It goes on to say, for he that is dead is freed from sin. I mean, go back to the illustration of a guy in a casket. You can put any, whatever you want in front of him. Put bottles of liquor in front of him. Hand him, I mean, some sort of drug. 
even if he was prone to do that kind of thing before he died, once he's dead, it has no power over him anymore. He's dead. He can't do nothing about it. You offer him the greatest amount of money to do the wickedest act you can think of, he's not going to do anything. He's dead. Understand, in God's eyes, we are dead. Positionally, before God, we are dead to sin. So we are no longer under the power of sin. He says, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Or sin, we could say, hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now understand, this is, this is a, a, a picture of what went on legally for us. We are identified with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Our debt to sin legally was paid in full to, through Christ. And legally, in God's eyes, he only sees Christ's righteousness to our account. Before God, or, or let me just say this way, Christ broke the power of sin over us. Now, positionally before God, something has happened. God no longer sees us as sinners before him. And because Christ died in our stead, God views us as having died to sin, having buried the old nature, and having been raised again as a son of God. Sin and death have no more power over us. Now we are free to live and serve God. And we can live unto God just like Christ was. That's the whole. That's what the power of His resurrection is about. It showed us that He had power not only to to deal with sin once and for all, but it shows us that He has power to give us new life. Again, this is positional, not practically. Practically, we still are going to deal with sin, and the rest of the chapter is going to deal with that. But my whole point is that God intends for us to live through the power of Christ's resurrection, to live in a way that is pleasing to God, to walk in newness of life. And my friend, if you are struggling with sin in your life, you need to understand this. If you've truly accepted Christ as your Savior, Christ has broke the power of sin in your life, and you do not have to live under that bondage of sin anymore. Christ can and will deliver you. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email broadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.